Psalm 35, Psalm 35, Psalm 35, verse 27 says, let them shout for joy. Amen. Any joyful people in the house? Praise God. Why don't you just wake up and, and let's do it again. Say, let them shout for joy. See? Amen. You can do it if you try it. Amen. You can just turn the volume up and every now and again, you can just choose to be that joyful person on purpose. You don't need to wait for stuff to happen. You can just decide, I'm a joyful person. How? I am joyful. I am demonstrating joy. And he says, let them shout for joy. Yeah. Hallelujah. And he says, and be glad. Check out the people who are supposed to be, who are meant to be in this joyful place, who favor my righteous cause. And then he says, and let them say how many times? Continually. Continually is how many times? Just, just keep going. Put it on repeat. You know, don't shuffle this, don't change this, put it on repeat. Just keep saying this continually. He says, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of what? He has pleasure in the prosperity of what? Of his servant. Our service is, you know, you know when we serve, when we've been talking about service, all of everything that we do, our service is for the cause of a, the righteous cause of establishing the kingdom of God upon the earth. And, and the psalmist is saying to those who, who, who favor God's cause, when a person is serving your cause, it generally means if they're serving with the right attitude, it generally means that they see what God has called you to do, they see the mission that you are embarking on, and they want that thing to succeed. When the scripture says, is describing a person who favors God right, God's righteous cause, what he's saying is that this person sees what God is trying to do, and they're doing what they can to advance his purpose. And the psalmist says that let that person, any of those people in the house today, come on, put your hand up if that's you. He says, let that person who favors my righteous cause, or, you know, he says, let that person say continually, let the Lord be magnified. He says, let them, that they have every reason to shout for joy and say continually. If you read the whole book of Psalm 35, um, uh, and, and I like to say it. I'll say it again. A good way to do to to have your own Bible study is to is to all of the. Sometimes I will I will mention a scripture, and we're going to look at one verse. But a good thing, good practice to do is to go home and read the whole chapter. Okay, number one, that that prevents you from being deceived by me. Okay, if you don't want to fall into deception, go and read the whole to make sure that I am not taking something out and making a doctrine that is. That isn't what God intended. Are you with me so far? And so, and so I encourage you to do that I, because the more you believe the scripture as God intended it, the more powerful you will be. But if you believe it just because I said it, the more powerful I will be. Oh, some of you missed that. But think about that. Get, get that and listen to that. But, but we are looking to grow together. I'm not looking to, uh, to be powerful by myself. No, God is raising all of us up together. Amen. So read the whole thing when you go home. But if you read the whole, the whole book of Psalm 35, you will find that David was writing, a very, writing about a very difficult time in his life with enemies all around him. So he, he, he wasn't necessarily, it wasn't a particularly joyful time in his life, but he comes to verse 25 and he says, let them shout for joy who favor the righteous cause because regardless of those who have set themselves against you, 
regardless of the circumstances that are coming against your faith, regardless of the things that are mocking your belief in God, regardless of the health challenges, the attacks to your dignity, the attacks to your sanity, the attacks on your relationship, regardless of what's going on with your finances, regardless of what's going on with the sense, your sense of well-being, the psalmist says, in the midst of all of that, if you are a person who favors the righteous cause of God, you have cause to rejoice. You have cause to be a person of joy. Sometimes your circumstances make you feel like when I say let's rejoice, you feel you don't have a reason to rejoice because after all, last night or the, on Friday, they took, they repossessed the house or something happened. But the psalmist says, regardless of all of these things, if you favor his righteous cause, you have reason to rejoice. Amen. So, so regardless of where you are today, you have reason to shout for joy. Some of us are joyful all the time, not because everything is perfect in our lives, but because we know that our life is about the only thing that matters. Somebody asked me, what do you think about the gospel? I said, the gospel is everything. The gospel is everything. The message of Jesus Christ is everything. There is nothing in this life that means anything if it isn't attached to the gospel. Anything that is not fueled by the gospel or the accomplishment of the purpose of God in this life, it is done. It is a waste of time. It, is, it will be flushed down the toilet without any, any impact in history. But because we favor the righteous cause of Jesus Christ, because you are a person who loves the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is given to accomplishing his purpose. Let the devil throw his best shot at you. You will still be joyful. You will fall seven times and still get back up again because you are the righteous who favor the righteous cause of God. Let them take the house. Let them take the money. Let the things fall apart. You will still have joy in your soul because you are about something way bigger than you. Hallelujah. Look at that, look at that. Only a few people still have that joy. Some of you are still caught up with who took your house. But he says, let them shout for joy. That's why Christians are confusing uh, a confusing set of people. When they are weak, they're saying I'm strong. When they're poor, they're saying I'm rich. When they're down, they're saying I'm up. When there's a casting down, they're saying there is a lifting up. It is because they are bound to a mission that is bigger than every circumstance. You're about, your life is bigger. Don't allow your circumstance to reduce you to being just about the money that you get or just about your health or just about your, no, no, no. Your life is bigger than all of those things. You favor the righteous cause of God. You're on the winning team. Hallelujah. I am, that make me happy right there. I'm on the winning team. My life matters because I'm on the winning team. I am, on, I am on his side. I am on his, I am, I am, I favor his righteous cause. And he says, let them, he says, he says, let the Lord, let them say, uh, let the Lord be magnified. Let the Lord be magnified. Whatever you do, don't magnify your circumstance. Magnify the Lord. The money is not working. Magnify the Lord. Children playing up. Magnify the Lord. Amen. Your health is playing up. Magnify the Lord. Whatever, whatever you find yourself, what are we going to do? Amen. What are we going to do? Do you know what we do? Listen, if you don't do this, let me tell you what you'll be doing. You will be magnifying the outcome. You, you're, there is no vacuum. You're going to be magnifying something. You will either be magnifying the Lord or you will be magnifying the, the, the intensity of the circumstance. 
or you will be magnifying the, the, the outcome of, or, or, you know, how things, how you think things are going to turn out. Have you ever magnified the outcome of a situation and then you got there and you realized that it wasn't anything? You thought they hated you and they, they, as soon as you saw them, they gave you a big hug. And you wondered, why did I stay awake arguing with them? Come on, people. Amen. Magnify the Lord. Whatever, wherever you find yourself, magnify your lo- the Lord. He, he is worthy. Don't magnify what they said about you. Magnify the Lord. He has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. He has pleasure. That word is, is the well-being. He has pleasure in the well-being, in the prosperity of his servant. Let me encourage somebody today. You will overcome what you are dealing with. You will go into your next season. I, I think I said this last week. I really saw this clear as day as I was preaching to you last towards the end of the service. I saw the Lord opening up another season of your life. I saw uh, some of you have reached the conclusion that you think you have seen everything that God has in store for you. Even as I close my eye, I still see it. You remember Narnia? Anybody seen that film, Narnia, where you opened that cupboard? You thought that this was the whole world, but you opened that cupboard and, and they stepped in. And before you know, they're in a whole winter wonderland. The Lord is about to open a door for you and release you into a fresh season. I believe that things that appear to be impossible, that you are coming to a season where God will show you that there is more life left in you than you thought. Some of you have miscalculated the hand of God upon your life. And in this season, God is going to demonstrate that he, this is how I treat people who favor my righteous cause. He's going to release fresh life into your business. He will release fresh life into your finances. He will release fresh life into your world of faith. It's a new season. What you have seen is nothing compared to where he's taken you. Let the Lord be magnified. Somebody give the Lord a shout of joy this morning. Hallelujah. And so I want you to know, regardless of where you are, the Lord takes pleasure in your prosperity. He, take, he enjoys your success. And that's why we are, we are joyful. Because regardless of where I am, I might not have all the answers, but the Lord takes pleasure in my, that much I know. And because he has pleasure in my well-being, and he is so good at what he does, that he is the only one who can make all things work together for my good, because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose, I can trust him, I can be joyful in all seasons. Hallelujah. Someone say, he takes pleasure in my prosperity. Come on, put your right hand up, declare with me. Say, the Lord takes pleasure in my prosperity because I am a servant of God. Okay? Now, I, I want to talk about that word prosperity because I feel like some part of my assignment as an individual, and I believe as a church, is to reclaim that word. Is to reclaim that word because I believe that, that, um, that there has been perversions to that word, and, and we're just going to spend some time just digging into that today, uh, the scripture is clear that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. But there are those who have demonized the idea of a person, um, a servant of God, being prosperous. Now, now let, me, let me also insert this here. Please remember, like we said last week, you are not primarily a servant. You are a son who has chosen to be a servant. Okay? Just like Jesus Christ. 
when you see Jesus, Jesus, even though he served, the Bible says he, when he came, he demonstrated something amazing. He took off his robes and then he wrapped, wore a servant's garments and then washed the feet of the servants. That was him demonstrating something to us. He doesn't cease to be a son, but the privilege of service is that God makes you a, ser- a son and because you, because you are amazed by his love, you put down your, your you, you use your sonship for service. Okay, so I don't want you to, to miss that, and we're going to come back. We're kind of we're kind of talking about this in the, in the other way because I want us to start from here. I want us to have the mindset of a servant because that is how you're going to become. You will maximize your sonship. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. And so and so there are people who have demonized the idea of a servant. Um, of God being prosperous. And even that whole word, servant of God, people have reduced it to people like me who preach the word of God, and we are the people who are called servants of God. But that's not true. We are servants of God. The pastor, the preacher, the teacher, the, the evangelist, the prophet, we are servants of God, but so are you. Every single one of us is a servant of God in the, in the work of the ministry. Okay? We are not the only people in ministry. We are all in ministry. Okay, do you understand that so far? So when we talk about this, and it, it makes me laugh when, when, when anyway, let, let, let's not go there. I don't want to be distracted. <laughs> Tell neighbor, neighbor. Tell him to focus. Okay, thank you. Don't be rude. I'm joking. I'm joking. joking. Okay, so, so look at this. So, so there are people who have demonized the idea of, of, um, of, of a servant being prosperous. And I believe that these people are crippling the, the gospel. They are crippling you as a servant of God. Those who demonize the idea of you being prosperous, they are crippling you as a servant of God because the establishment of the kingdom is facilitated by the prosperity of his servants. And I'll show you from scripture today. You cannot be an effective establisher of the kingdom of God. You cannot play an effective part in the establishment of the kingdom of God on the earth without prosperity. It is not possible. And so there, there, there are those who are demonizing, those, demonizing uh, the idea of a, a believer being pros- prosperous. And, and I think that they, they, these people cripple and reduce your ability to accomplish the will of God. To, and they reduce it to what you can do and what you can provide for yourself. But on the other hand, there are also those who have taken the idea of God prospering his people and they've taken that and, you know, and perverted it and began to use that to, you know, for their own personal gain to be able to create something, you know, for, you know a money-making machine for their, for their own selves. And as a result of that, on the other hand, we are raising a bunch of glory hunters in church. We're raising a bunch of people who are glory hunters in our churches. And let me tell you what I've seen. This, is, this year will make it nine years of pastoring. Let me tell you, I have seen what, what that can do. It is, it is creating disengaged believers. It is creating discontented believers. It is creating disappointed believers. Believers who thought that this is how it will be, that I'll get born again, and because I pictured it, I'm going to get that jack, I'm going to get the car, I'm going to get the house, and you had no vision for the car, you just had a vision. Remember we talked about this last week. By the way, please listen to the whole thing because there will be some things that, that might not be in context, and if you listen to the whole thing, you'll get, you get the context. Amen? Amen? 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. So look, so look, look at this. You know, I, I have seen many believers, particularly younger, younger believers, uh, and this is why I'm taking this so seriously. People who have turned their backs on the gospel or even on the church because we sold them a vision that was not incorrect but was incomplete. And so what happened is that you thought your life was about the corner office. And when you face the disappointment of that job that you visualized that you were going to have and you didn't get it, you lost faith in God because it didn't happen like you imagined. And that is what happens when we reduce the, prosper, the prosperity of uh, your prosperity to what you can get a hold of or what you can do for yourself. But the reality is prosperity is supposed to be for the servant of God who is on a mission. Apart from that, prosperity doesn't have any, 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 any it, doesn't, it, it doesn't count for anything. It's just money. It's just a car. It's just stuff in your bank account. It's just stuff. It's just another empty house, another big old house that is not pointing towards anything. So we are going to change this thing. We are, we are prosperous people. I, I, and, 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 and people who will prosper, who will get the idea, and please stay with me. Um, don't, don't reach your conclusions about what I'm talking about. Let's go into the scripture because I don't want you to spend another 10 years thinking something that isn't what God intended. I, I, I want you to be prosperous. Amen. I, someone say, I am prosperous. And I believe that here at Radiant City Church, God has called us together to, to not only demonstrate this, and this is what I really see God doing with us. Not only are we going to preach what prosperity really looks like, but our lives will be a demonstration of that. And if I can summarize it, prosperity looks like a servant king. It looks like a servant king. Are you with me so far? I, I, and God is raising us up. And this is why we're doing this, this as part of our vision. It is to remind you that this is who you are called to be. It, it looks like a biblical prosperity. looks like a servant king. I, 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 I want to talk about that word prosperity in, in Psalm, Psalm 35. Um, can I teach for a little bit? A little bit. Jesus Christ, let me drink some water. I'm too excited. A little bite. Can I teach for a little bite? Anyway. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. Amen. <laughs> you pray for me, intercessors. I don't know how your prayers were this morning, but hey, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm sure you prayed good. So, so here is what we want to do. We want to get an understanding of that word prosperity. We want to get an understanding of that word prosperity. In Psalm 35, Verse 27, that word is the word shalom, and it means wholeness, it means completeness, it means well-being. In fact, some of your translations will say that the Lord delights in the well-being of his servant, okay? But, but, he, but, but there is another word for that word pro, that, that is translated into our English word to prosper in the Bible, and it's, the, it's, a, it's a word that is called select, T-S-A-L-E-C-H. Okay, it, 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 it's a Hebrew word that, is, that, that we translate to mean to prosper. Now, if you want to get an understanding of any subject, you know, and some of you already know about this, if you want to study, there is a rule of studying the scripture where if you want to get a good understanding of the context of a, of a particular matter, there is a, 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 a rule called the law of first mentions. 
So if you want to get an understanding of anything, you need to find the first time it was mentioned in the scripture. You need to go there, study it in the context in which it was mentioned, and it will give you a holistic idea as to what the word means and what God means and how that word applies to you. If you understand that so far, say amen. In Genesis chapter 24, which is the, the other scripture that we're going to camp at, in Genesis chapter 24, this is where we find that the word to prosper is first used. And guess what it is, guess the context that it is first used in. It is first used in the context of a servant going on a mission for his master. Okay. To prosper, that, that word select, the first context, the first time we see the word in scripture, it is used in the context of a servant going to serve, going on a journey, and it, it, it's used in the context it is to go on a successful journey, okay? To prosper, select, the word select is, is to go on a successful journey. It is to have a prosperous journey. That's what true prosperity looks like. It is having a successful journey through life. Okay? It is, it is having a successful outcome in, in your situation. Notice that I didn't say a positive outcome. I said a successful outcome. Ooh, some of you missed that. Okay? We have made the mistake of thinking that uh, is success only ever looks positive. But the reality is success is not always positive. When Jesus died on the cross, he was successful, but that was not positive. Hello, Christians. We're going to change our minds. Remember last week, great servants embrace suffering. There was this, there, there's a scripture in Hebrews, I, 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 should, I should have picked it up, but I didn't want to put it in my notes because I know I preach it. The Bible says that, that these guys, about, I think it's Hebrews 11, it says about the saints that they rejected deliverance and they embraced suffering because of what they knew it would produce. Go read Hebrews chapter 11, okay? Uh, and, and again, I talked about that, that in more detail last week. I don't want you to get the wrong idea about suffering, but please go, go and study that out. So, so, so look at what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that the word, the word pr to prosper is to have a successful journey. I, I said, you know, a successful journey might not always be positive, but it will always be successful. Do you hear me? Okay. There are things in your life that don't look, you know, you know some of your friends that the person who dumped you, it was a negative thing, but heaven was clapping. Mm -hmm. You were crying yourself to sleep and eating a donut and heaven was rejoicing. Thank God that they are delivered. <laughs> because success doesn't always look positive. Amen. Happiness is not your goal in life. Happiness is, it is the world that is selling you that, that all, all, all we just want is for you to be happy. That is somebody who doesn't know what life is all about. Life is not about you being happy. Ask the Apostle John who was being boiled in, a, in oil. That was not happy. But it was a successful <laughs> situation. Because he came, do, do you know the story? He got boiled in oil so that he would die. <laughs> the guy didn't die. And do you know what they did? They then took him to the Isle of Patmos and left him there to die. Guess what he did in the Isle of Patmos? He wrote the book of Revelation. But believers will see the boiling oil and say, you know what? <laughs> the Lord has not called me to this. The Lord has... <laughs> I 
And I wonder what, what kind of revelations we are sidestepping because we're afraid of trouble. I wonder what kind of, and, and this is what I'm, I'm you know, are you, are you getting me? Now, I don't want to raise a, we are, the, the scripture doesn't teach us, we don't need to have a theology of suffering. This is what I mean as in, you know, looking for hard things to happen. No, that's not how it is. Uh, everyone understand what I mean? Do we have that balance? If you are not sure, please go listen to last week. I don't want to go over that again. But I, I want us to get, life is about balance. Everyone say balance. balance. And I believe that that's one of the gifts that God has given me, the gift of balance of finding that center point where we can all always operate with. And so real prosperity here in Genesis 24 is where the word is used, is to have a successful outcome, to have a successful journey. And so what I want to do is take us through this story in Genesis chapter 24. It's a long chapter, and again, I encourage you to go home and read the, the, the whole of the scripture, um, and I want you to, to pay attention to it, um, because in this scripture we see how prosperity what prosperity looks like in the life of the servant, okay? I, I, I don't want to talk about your prosperity without talking about your servanthood because I think that that is where we run into problems because when you don't understand that God prospers you because of your calling to serve, because, you know, you are prosperous in order to be more effective in your servant service, the byproduct of that is that you will write good, and you will see it, see it in the scripture. The byproduct of that is that you will write good. You will have the gold and the silver. The byproduct of that is that you will live in the best places. You will have access to the best. But that was a byproduct. It's like if I jump into water, I will get wet. It's just how it is. If I serve God, prosperity will follow. God is not primarily looking just to prosper me. He is looking to facilitate my, uh, my mission, the mission he has sent me on, but pro prosperity is, an, is, an, is a byproduct of that. I will enjoy everything that he gives us richly to enjoy. If you understand that so far, say amen. And so, and so we, we, we run a, a huge risk of raising a generation of people who know about prosperity but know nothing about service. And I want to address that balance. And my faith is that we are that church who understand prosperity but we understand service. We, we understand that we are called to serve. That our vision, wherever we are, we are looking for people to serve on the tube, on the bus, at our workplace. We are looking for people to serve because we understand that that is our calling. Okay? Now, in this story in Genesis chapter, 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 chapter 24, Jesus is Lord, drink some more water. <laughs> you come and do it, amen. I'm joking. <laughs> some days the words just don't come out, amen, but it's all good. I'm going to deliver this word. Somebody's going to be free today. <laughs> and, uh, so in Genesis chapter 24, we find this whole story. We find this whole story about Abraham, who is sending his servant to find a wife for his son. Okay? That's the general gist. These are the main characters in the scripture. We find Abraham, everyone say Abraham, Abraham. who is sending his servant, everyone say servant, servant. to find a wife, everyone say Rebecca, Rebecca. for his son Isaac. Okay? Now, now, now if, you, if, you, if you study it out, you will find Abraham, uh, and again, for the purposes of our study, Abraham is a type of God, okay? The, the servant 
is a type of the Holy Spirit, or let me put it this way, the servant is a type of a man under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? The, the Rebecca, the wife, is a type of the church or the person, the bride of Christ, and Jesus is Isaac. Okay? Do you understand that so far? Say amen. amen. Now, I don't want to go into all of the theology of that. I, again, if, you are, if you're not sure about something, go and study it out. Abraham is a type of God. Um, Isaac is a type of Jesus. The, the servant is a type of the Holy Ghost be, being used by a man, uh, uh, using a man, okay? And, and, and Rebecca is a type of the church. So the mission is for the servant to reconcile Rebecca to Isaac, okay? At some point, you were Rebecca. But then... When you got saved, you now became the servant. And our job is to reconcile, is to bring the church to his wife, to, to, to Jesus Christ. Amen? Is to reconcile the two of them. So, so uh, in all of this, the part, and we can talk about this on so many different levels. There is a, there is a way in which you are also, you, you will fit into the, the, the narrative of Abraham or even Isaac or even Rebecca. But I'm talking about our service. And we are called to be that intermediary who reconciles the world to Jesus Christ. If you understand that so far, say amen. It is important you see yourself as the servant on a mission, um, and this is what our whole life is about, just like this servant. His whole life, we don't hear anything about his wife. We don't hear anything about his dreams. We don't hear anything about his visions. We don't hear anything about what kind of food he likes. But what we hear is the mission that he is on, okay? Because your life is primarily about that. If you understand that so far, say amen. I'm going to teach this thing so good. My goal is that you will learn it enough to teach another person. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, because I want you to see yourself as this servant on a mission that, that you, you have been sent to do something by your heavenly father to reconcile the world to Christ. And when you see yourself like this, you will realize why it is imperative that you are prosperous. You realize why it is imperative that your well-being, why God delights in the well-being of his servants. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, it says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And then he says, so, each one, so let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of, or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 9. Verse 9 is the, the, the next verse. Is, is that verse 9? Sorry, verse 8 is where I'm going to. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, always having all sufficiency in all things may, uh, that you may have an abundance for every good work. That's what prosperity looks like. Remember where he started in verse 6. He's talking about giving and receiving. And where, what are they giving into again? Go read the context. The giving and receiving is into the work of the Lord. What work? The work of reconciling the world to Jesus Christ. 
That's what Paul was called to. And these people were giving. And so Paul said to them that as you give generously, God will release generously into your life because what he is looking to do is to make all grace abound towards you as somebody who favors his righteous cause. So every time that you are doing something that favors his righteous cause, God will always ensure that you are not lacking anything that you need to do what he has called you to do. So you, let, let, me, let me say this strong. You cannot claim verse 8 if you are not in verse 6 and 7. You're wasting your time. You're making yourself feel better. You're releasing some kind of feeling into yourself, but that is not scripture. The, God is looking to release you into this place where you have all grace abounding towards you for every good work because you are keyed into his purpose. And you will see that the prosperity of this servant we're looking at in Genesis chapter 24 was keyed into this mission that he was on. You and I are on that same mission. If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. Bible prosperity is having sufficiency in all things so that you may have an abundance for every good work. The work of God's servants, listen carefully, if you're taking notes, write this down. The work of God's servants, that's you and me, demands prosperity. Okay? We follow his purpose, his prosperity follows us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added to you. What most of us do is what Gehazi, remember Gehazi, the servant of Eli, another servant, of Elisha, another type of Jesus Christ, Gehazi did this in 2 Kings chapter 5. What we start off doing is we start off being like Gehazi, who has the intention to serve, but then our eyes can get diverted when we see a miracle. Naaman is, is healed and he is going and he presents gifts to Elisha. Go read in 2 Kings chapter 5. He presents gifts to Elisha. Elisha says, I don't have need of those things. And so Naaman is returning with his gifts. Gehazi, the servants, somehow thinks that the master has missed something. And so instead of staying in the place where he is called to, to serve Jesus, Elisha is a type of Jesus Christ or even a type of a man of God or however you want to do it, but ultimately a type of Jesus Christ. Uh, instead of staying in that place, he starts to follow the money. But do you know what happens? He follows the money, gets the money, but do you know what else he gets? Leprosy. Because if you leave the vision that you are called to do and you follow the money, what will happen is you will get the money, but it is only the blessing of the Lord that make it rich and addeth no sorrow to it. You will follow the money and you will get the money, but you will also end up with leprosy that eats up your life. So you see, it's not a... And, and, Everyone get the balance? Everyone get where we are? So there are two servants, and you will see the focus of this servant in Genesis chapter 24. And in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, we see a, a servant whose eyes were diverted, who began to chase the wrong thing outside of the vision that he was called to. If you understand that so far, say amen. And so look at what prosperity looks like. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole of the chapter. I've just picked out about seven things that, that, that I want us to look at. Look at what prosperity looks like for the servant of God. Any servants of God in the house today? Praise someone say, I am a servant of the living God. He delights. Come on, say, he delights in my prosperity. 
now I want you to, ha to have an idea of what that looks like, okay? Because that's what I want you to extend your faith, your faith for. Number one, prosperity looks like a strong commitment. A strong commitment. True prosperity is having a commitment to a cause that is bigger than you. The story starts in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1 to 3, with Abraham asking the servant to swear by the Lord. He, he, he told him to put his hand under his thigh. I'm gonna, I, I won't talk about that because that is, that, <laughs> that is deep, amen. But it was an ancient practice that he wasn't just putting his hand under, under his thigh. He was grabbing some stuff. But anyway, he, say, he says, yeah, go and study it out. Some of you, yeah, let's not talk about that. I've already talked about it. But, you know, listen to the rest of this. But go home and study that. Okay, put that in the fridge. We'll come back to it. Let's, everyone say, put your hand on my thigh. No, don't say, don't say, don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> I got distracted when I was studying. I wanted to see the implications of that. And what I found was, okay. But anyway, it's what happened. The idea, <laughs> the, the idea is, is that Abraham, he starts by Abraham asking this guy to make a commitment, not a casual commitment, to make a strong commitment to this vision. A truly prosperous servant is committed to something that is bigger than himself. I don't mean a casual commitment. Do you know something that is that is poor, it is you having everything you need materially or everything but nothing big that your life is for. Poverty is, is having a great job that allows you to go on three holidays a year and drive the best cars, but that is it. That is why even the richest of people who have all these things are still dealing with hopelessness and depression because life is bigger... You, Prosperity is having a commitment that is stronger than anything else that you are. That is bigger. Show me as somebody who has something to live for. I am showing you a prosperous person. Somebody who has something that is bigger than them. Many believers want to prosper, but you're not committed to anything. You're not committed to God. I, I, and I can talk about this on, on so many levels. But for many believers, God is like your GP. You don't think about him so much until you need him. It's not that you hate him. It's, you know, you, you have no qualms with him. In fact, you are four GPs. But you only ever go when there is a pain. Hello, brothers. We need to get checked out. Hello, brother. Can I talk about that? Gentlemen, you know, you know how we do. You know, unless the leg is falling out. <laughs> unless the brother's leg is falling out. He's not going to the doctor. Go and see the doctor for that. I'll be fine. It's okay. I'm all right. Until he falls out. And that's how many of us are with God. Amen. We're not interested in getting checked out or getting healed or, 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 or any conversation with him until we feel I am desperate for him. That's not a strong commitment. That's a casual commitment. Amen. You can't be prosperous and, and on so many, so many levels that, that, that there is until you commit to that vision, until you commit to that business, until you commit to that idea. You know, there are some ideas that have died in the water, not because it wasn't a great idea, but because you weren't committed to it. And that is why you did not have a successful journey in that career path. You were not committed to it. Show me somebody who has something bigger than themselves to commit to, and I'll show you a, a prosperous person. That is why that scripture starts with, put your hand on, under, my, uh, under my thigh and swear. I'm not just going to give you an instruction to go. I want you to be committed to me as you, out, as you, as you outwork that instruction. You've heard, you, you've heard that, 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 that analogy. In a, in a bacon and egg breakfast, the, 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 the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. 
I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait for that to land. Amen. The chicken laid the egg and walked away. The pig gave his life for the breakfast. Mm. Which one are you? Are you a chicken or are you a pig? I, 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 until, you, until you choose, until you find something in your life that is not a casual commitment where you just come and do your little thing and go, but you are invested. Where, where if, this, if this person doesn't enjoy what, what you did, you know, how many people know that pig, even though the pig is not there to see, but if, if the pig is watching from, from pig heaven and, and somebody is eating that bacon and they're complaining, the pig will not be happy because I gave my life for this breakfast. <laughs> but the chicken is like, well, that's your problem. Because <laughs> it's not as committed. Amen. Prosperity will follow your commitment. What are you committed to? You can't live your life in a sheltered, safe place where you're not committed to anything. Find something to be committed to. Prosperity begins when you are bigger, when you're committed to something. You don't have a casual commitment. I am a prosperous man because I'm committed to one wife. I'm committed to her. Prosper Amen. I, 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 I am, you know, you, th there is a certain level of joy, there is a certain level of peace, there is a certain level of prosperity that you will not experience until you give all that you are. Amen? Prosperity looks like having something to live for. You are not prosperous because you have money in the bank. You are prosperous because you have something to live for. Something that you are truly committed to. I want, and, and I'm not even going to be ashamed of plugging this here. This is why I truly believe that being the local church is God's best idea. God brings you something that you can give your life to. Amen? I, 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 the Lord, was, well, I, I've been talking to the Lord just about, I told you about this vision I saw some time ago about the Lord raising up 2,000 people gathering in a building, and they were receiving this light. I, I, I've been kind of shying away from that number because, you know, I, don't, I, I didn't want you to think I was proud. And the Spirit of God picked me up on that, on, on that this week. He said, no, you better look at that 2,000 people. Amen. And he's raising, and do you know what he said to me? He said, he said, you know, in every church, in every church, you don't have everybody committed. But what he showed me was 2,000 people committed. I'm waiting for that to land. What he showed me, what, what, what he showed me was, and that is what shifted in my mind this week, and, you know, 2,000 people committed, and think about how, how, how many other people he's looking to raise. But anyway, the point is, the point is that is, is find yourself, let me just say what I'm trying to say. I don't believe you're hearing this message by mistake. I don't believe you're hearing this by commitment. God, the Holy Spirit is inviting you in this season of us talking about this vision to see whether you will say, I believe in what these people are talking about enough to give my life to it. And if you don't find something to, are you with me so far? Prosperity begins when you have something to live for. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, find something to live for. Number two. Prosperity looks like a promise, having a promise. A real prosper prosperity is having a promise. The servants in verse 5 had a little bit of doubt. Help me, help me put Genesis 24, verse 5. Are you with me so far? Praise God. Genesis 24, verse 5 says, uh, it says, And the servant said to him, so after Abraham sent him, the servant said to him, the, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? 
And, and if you read, the, read verse, nine, verse 7, sorry, this is Abraham's response to the, to the servant's doubt. He says, the God, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants I give this land. He says, he will send an angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. In other words, the instruction was, was Abraham was in the land that God promised him. And Abraham was saying, go to my family, find a wife for my son, and bring her here. But the servant is thinking, what I, I would think, God, are you sure? What if I go to get a wife and the wife doesn't want to come? Which is a realistic thing to think. And Abraham says, listen carefully to me. If she doesn't want to come, leave her there. But don't change the promise. Do not compromise on the promise. Do not take my son. By the way, the scripture starts by saying Abraham was advanced in age. He was at the end of his life. And now there is in this conversation a possibility that the servant would take Isaac and take him to a foreign land. Take him to a place that is apart from what God promised. And Abraham says, you know what, I know I want a wife for my son, but if she's not going to come, let's leave the wife thing for a bit. Amen. Let, 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 let's not go there. Because sometimes there are some things that are not worth the promise. Amen. The, 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 listen, if you compromise on the promise, you compromise your prosperity. God gave you a promise. He gave Abraham, remember Hebrews 6, he says, by two immutable things, he gave his word and his oath so that we will have a strong assurance. Every promise, every instruction that God gives you, every good servant, every good master sends his servant out with an assurance. And the assurance you have is in the scripture. Whatever you do as you travel through life, prosperity is having a promise that is so big that you wouldn't be willing to compromise on. And so Abraham says, you know what? <laughs> uh, if she doesn't come, leave her there. Amen. If she doesn't come, leave her. If she doesn't come, let's, let's forget it. There are some things, you know, we need to learn how to be in a place where, you know, you don't, you don't tweak the promise to suit you. You stay with the word of God. What did God promise you? Stay with the word of God. What did he instruct you to do? Stay with the word of God. We're not going to revisit the scripture. We're not going to, re Abraham could have said, well, if she doesn't want to come, I, I really want him to be married, so I'm just happy if he's happy. No, 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 we're, we're going to stay with the promise. What is the promise? What does the word say? Your prosperity is in the promise. Are you listening to me? That is why we don't compromise on the promise of God. We don't compromise. Now, compromise is a part of life. You will have to compromise on certain things. But when you start to compromise on the promise of God, you start to compromise the prosperity that God has prepared for you. Say, neighbor, neighbor. Don't compromise on the promise. Because the pro your prosperity is in the promise. So a prosperous servant has a promise. How many people have a, a, a promise from God? You are prosperous because of the promise you have from God. Okay, number three. Prosperity is having an angel go before you. 
Glory be to God. In verse 7, Abraham says to the servant, he will send his angels before you. Prosperous people are people who, you know, prosperous people have people who go ahead of them to prepare hearts and minds. Before you go for the interview, the angel of the Lord goes ahead of you and makes sure that the interviewer doesn't have an argument with his wife on the night before. In fact, he goes ahead of you and makes sure that he has a pretty good night the night before. And so he's coming into work thinking the Lord is good. You know, so if you don't even know that kind of happiness yet. <laughs> he has a night that was transforming and, you know, that, that transported him to the heavenlies. And so he's showing up the next morning ready to bless anything in his way. And guess what the Holy Ghost will do? He'll put you in his way. One of the things I do when I'm praying for an application is I pray for the person who is there. Whoever is going to consider my case, that's what God is saying. He will send an angel before you to prepare the land before you show up. So when you show up, things will happen like they are coincidences. What you didn't know is that you are so prosperous, you have angels who go ahead of you to prepare the land before you show up. Some people call that luck. I call that prosperity. Some people say you're just so lucky. I call that being surrounded, being ha having ministering angels who speak to kings on my behalf, who wakes up people and say, bless Chido, or don't go back to sleep. He will send his angels. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this morning, angels are surrounding you. You have ministering angels who are working on your behalf. Hearts and minds are being affected. People will have a conversation with you and say, I don't know why I'm doing this. We don't normally do this. But I, that, do you know what happened? You are a prosperous person because he sends his angels ahead of you. Every time you're looking to make an application for anything, anytime you're looking to do something, why don't you claim this promise? Because God will send his angel ahead of you to make sure that when you go there, it will be like you've always been here. That's what prosperity looks like. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Angels. Amen. Number four, prosperity includes material things. It includes material things. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. After the servant committed to Abraham, that's a whole other class, but, but let, let's look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, he, he, took, he took how many? How many did he take? How many camels? Ten, Ten of his master's camels. In those days, they didn't have Mercedes Benz or, or Jags or Bugatti Veyrons. They didn't have those. But they had camels. So this guy has just committed to his master to find a wife for his son. And he goes to the garage and pulls out 10 cars. An entourage of 10 cars. Let me tell you something. Look at the next line. He says he took 10 of his master's camels. Look at why. For all his master's goods were in his hands. All of God's goods have been given to you. Oh, my God. Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Let me tell you, it's somebody who doesn't know your vision that is wondering, what are you doing with 10 camels? How many camels can you ride at once? How many camels can you get on, by the way? What, look at you showing up. You think, let me tell you something. You don't know my calling. 
It's when you don't know who called this man or what he is going to do that you start to question the ten camels and the gold and the silver that he's carrying. By the way, if you read to the end of the story, you will find that this man did not just come back with Rebecca. He came back with all her maids. So when he was going, when he was going with ten camels to a person who was not there, don't let people who were not there when God called you determine how you will finish your race. These people were not there. So this man is walking around. There would have been one person who would have thought, Ten camels? Who is this showing off now? Just because your master has all this money. In fact, it's not even yours. You know, all kinds of things. But the reality is that for this mission that I am called, the ten camels were ready. They were necessary. Listen, some of you, God has put prosperity in your heart that is blowing your mind because you don't have the full details of what you're going to do with it yet. But please let me tell you, get access. You better put your business in order because God is about to funnel money to you like never before. What we are looking to do in this season of our life, I believe that in the next season of the church, let me speak prophetically, God is going to raise a bunch of people who are so prosperous they don't answer to anybody but God. He's going to raise a bunch of people who, who, who are so prosperous that they can go anywhere they want to go and get attention from anyone that they need to get attention from because they have access to the prosperity of the one who sends them. Never apologize for your big dreams. Never apologize for, for being prosperous, for expecting God to increase you because it is mandatory for the accomplishment of this will. What God wants to do with you, you can't do it with one camel. Amen. And it's people who don't know that will write blogs about the 10 camels you have. They will do videos about the 10 camels you, you took. And by the way, he just took 10. There were more. If you're angry at the 10 that I have right now, you don't even know what my father has. <laughs> if that is winding you up. So this, this, this servant is, and this is, this is a picture of us. We are riding good. The servant is riding in an entourage of camels, and he has gold and silver. He's dressed good, but he's on a mission. It's all the, it's the byproduct. That's, that's what our lives are. We are, we are. we are dressing good. We look good. We, we're driving good. We are, we are, we are, but, but we are all, everything about it. Even the gold he had, you find later on, he gave the gold to, to Rebecca. It, it's all part of the, what God has called you to do. Prosperity includes material things. Do not allow the enemy. Now, prosperity is not material things. It includes material things. Did you get the difference? To think that material things is prosperity is just reducing your life to a flesh, to the flesh. But prosperity is not material things. It includes material things. Amen. I see the Lord sending material things your way. Hallelujah. I see the Lord sending material things your way. He's going to provide financially for you. I said he's going to provide financially for you. Get back to dreaming big financially. Don't, don't allow, you know, whatever God has called you to do, uh, remember, just find that vision. For what God has called us to do, we can't do it plain small. For what God has called us to do, what I see, unless I want to reduce, but we can't, we can't see. I, I, what I see God doing with us will require us raising up, you know, sharp people. People who are prosperous, and it's you. And, and, and so in the next season, we're going to invest in making sure that you are being sharpened in your business and sharpened in your work. And we're going to invest in all those things because God is raising you up 
not just to be a consumer, but to be a distributor. Yeah. Uh, shall we do one more? Yeah. I got seven, but I'll, 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 do, I'll do number five. Prosperity is ha having God's attention. Prosperity is having God's attention in verse 15. The Bible says the servant, the servant of God shows up and he begins to pray. Well, before verse 15, he, he was praying about the, the, the journey that he, he is on. And in verse 15, he says, and it happened that before he finished speaking, glory be to God. This is what prosperity looks like. It looks like being in a place where before you finish praying for something, the answer shows up. Whilst he was still speaking, before he had finished speaking, he was praying for, for Rebecca, outlining the details of what he's expecting God to do. Make sure that when you pray, you are being specific about what you want God to do. Because he said to God, these are the things that I'm expecting, that if she comes and she does this, there's nothing wrong in doing that. And the Bible says, as he, as he, before he finished, before he finished, Rebecca shows up. Because prosperity is being in a place where you have heaven's attention. I decree over you as a bond servant of Jesus Christ that heaven will answer before you finish. Before, you, before a word is finished in your mouth, the answer will come. That your harvest will show up before you finish sowing. That wisdom will show up in your heart before you ask. Prosperity is what you have access to. And, and you have access to the God, listen carefully, the God who creates coincidences. Hallelujah. That's what prosperity looks like. Number six, prosperity is about generosity. Prosperity is generosity. Because in verse 18, we see Rebecca meet a need. The man was praying, and, Rebecca, and, and, and everything that the man was asking for started with meeting a need. The first thing he says is, when I see this person, I want, them to, I want to ask them for something. And I want them to give me what I ask for. And if she gives me water, not just for me, but also for my camels, then I, I will know that this is the one that you have sent me to. Because most of the next level, you remember, you remember the, less level, blah, 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 the next level that I, I, that I really believe that you are in for, it will open by the prosperity, by your willingness to release what is in your hands. Rebecca thought this was just an, an ordinary day where she's going to the, to, the, to the stream, to the well, to get water. What she did not know is that she had a destiny, uh, a, a destiny moment, a, a life-transforming moment that came in a request for water. A simple request, can I have some water for one man? And she says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you water, but I'm also going to give your camels water. And that is the thing that opened the door. For this man to say, welcome, you are the one I've been looking for. I believe that your next season will always place a demand on your generosity in this season. There are so many 